Well, Matthew, this is a somber day for Miami Heat fans. The miraculous Cinderella run for this postseason is over, capping off with a 4-1 finals loss. I think there was definitely some mixed emotions Monday night when it's it kind of hurt us in the heart a bit, but then I think Tuesday have cooled off a bit given that we still have to look back at this impressive run. I think nobody better to talk about than you, so it's good to have you back on. Thanks for having me. You know, as they say, don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. <laughs> we got to be glad that this one happened because if you asked me that we'd be in the, you told me we'd be in the finals in December, I would have said you were absolutely insane. So, like, uh, granted, last, yeah, last year we, we were always thinking this team, you know, it's not, it's not unbelievable that they'd be in this spot. But then you got in the dog days in the middle of the season, you're like, yeah, there's absolutely no chance. But you know what? It turns out we were more right about the Heat last June and July than we were in January and February. I would say, so I'll actually give you the floor here in terms of what do you want to talk about first? I do want to touch on two points. Do you want to start off with contextualizing what this Miami Heat run was and what it means? Or should we kind of do a little bit of the finals kind of obituary, if you will, that kind of ended our season? Uh, I think we can honestly, let's just start with the obituary and then we can uh, think about all the happy things that we learned about about the Heat to these playoffs. So, I, I mean, I, I think the first thing we have to talk about is Miami regressed back to regular season form against Denver. And I think people have underrated this a lot. Denver should have been the clear title favorite heading into this postseason. If you just look at all the numbers, they were the most complete team. They ended up going this regular uh, postseason 16-4, which only a select few teams have got, done that. They went 4-0. and in their last four road games, two against LA and then two against Miami. Like that is like that. They're one of the few, if not, I think the only team, but definitely like a select few all time teams to do that. I think Miami met its match here. Ultimately, Jokic was clearly the better player than Jimmy. And especially offensively, I think this team just didn't have enough offense. I mean, yeah, the Nuggets were so good that, you know, yesterday I was reviewing some of our earlier pods from last year. And then I noticed there was a new pod that had just dropped. I'm like, oh, look, Duncan with Dom just returned. <laughs> and then I noticed, like, upon listening to the first few minutes, that you prematurely shot a Nuggets championship reaction podcast before the Nuggets even won the championship. Are you, are you rushing? Listen, to be fair, to be fair, I think a lot of people thought this series would be five games. Uh, I think after the after following, I think what stunned what stunned it for me, and I knew that Miami was not going to win, was Game Four, where Game Four Jamal Murray is five for eighteen, Jokic is foul trouble plus a hurt ankle, and we still lose by double digits. And everything I think for the most part was going for Miami that that could go. I mean, we did. We everyone did know the Bucks were also going to beat the Heat, and then everyone also did know. That the Celtics were all were going to beat the Heat. Uh, I won't say that everyone knew the Knicks would beat the Heat because uh, honestly, that was the one series I had confidence in. So I didn't really want to put it put it past this Heat team. But you got to remember that the Heat lost three straight to the Celtics before barely escaping a potential disaster, and then they walk in the finals and then win one in the game and lose four. So honestly, if you're a Heat fan over the past two and a half weeks, you have known nothing but pain in reality. Well, we also uh, we finished did... the season. Remember, we finished the postseason two and seven. If, if you think about it, we lost seven of our last nine games. So it kind of, we kind yeah. of regressed. Yeah, I would say we regressed. 
I would say this team peaked in game three of the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston. I mean, it just goes to show you how unbelievable this was. But like when we got to Denver and we got away with game two, it was the weirdest thing. Like all of a sudden everyone had like jumped back onto Miami's side. You know, the Heat classic underdog story. Everyone loves a good like miraculous run by some poor seed who ultimately finds it within themselves to put together some miraculous postseason run. But for some reason, after game one against Denver, we lost and everyone was absolutely making fun of the Heat, saying they didn't belong there. They were a joke and Denver was going to walk to the finals to a finals win, which ultimately they kind of did. But after game two, everyone was on the Heat side, which was the weirdest thing. I'm like, we barely escaped game two. Like if Duncan Robinson hadn't gone on a 10 point run by himself or something like that, there's the Heat might have lost game two as well. I remember Mike Breen all of a sudden said, Duncan Robinson has 10 points in the fourth quarter. And I look at the clock in the fourth quarter and it's 10 minutes to go. And I'm like, you're saying this man had 10 points in two minutes. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was saying. So Duncan Robinson was the reason that we put it, put together a performance that was worthy of winning game two. And then game five was really the only other contested matchup. And we put together an absolute dogfight. It felt like they were giving absolutely everything they had and we still lost. So, Honestly, Denver was by far and away the better team than us. Uh, it's it just makes it feel even more miraculous than we got there, especially considering like it feels so long ago that we were riding on the high of beating Milwaukee, just cruising against the Knicks and being up massive against Boston in game three. Like that just feels so long ago. So I, I listened to a pod and they brought up a good point. It was the Duncan with uh, the Dunk Dom pod, and they had brought up the interesting point that. I think Miami, to an extent, was still going to lose this series. It did not help that instead of taking care of business against the Celtics, whether it was in Game 4, where they could have won at home, or in Game 6, where they were a Derek White shot that everyone forgot about away from winning again at home, they, De- Miami only had two days rest. They finished. I think that game was on a Saturday, and Game 1 of the finals on a Monday. Denver, because they swept the Lakers, had a nine-day rest. They had seven extra days of rest, which we saw Miami, I think, to an extent also broke down. Like, that gets kind of into the Butler conversation of, like, maybe this team just was simply out of gas. That was one factor here. But the other thing, too, is I think, again, we we tend to discredit teams like Denver a lot of the time because, again, they're a small market. Jokic is kind of like a Tim Duncan-type superstar where he isn't the most outspoken. Like, Remember after the title, he's like, I just want to go home. And it's like, this this isn't a Lakers. This isn't a Warriors. This is something different. Even entering the, uh, the, uh, the postseason, Denver was the third. People had Boston and Milwaukee riding. They thought, like, whoever made it out of the West would get smoked by one of those two teams. So that threw a wrinkle on things, too. I think Denver, though... It makes the Jokic candidacy look good. I think they were clearly the better team. They were also the best regular season team in the entire NBA for about five straight months. Like, for basically this entire season, they were one or two in the Western Conference standings, and they were right there with Philly and with Milwaukee. And I think people discounted that. I think people did discount it. Um, To say that Denver was obviously the true favorite the whole time, I think is going a bit far. I think that a lot of people recognize that Milwaukee and Boston were two very good teams. Obviously, we will never know what happened if Giannis didn't get injured. And the thing is, 
I'd say, yeah, it was probably a clear top three headed into the playoffs of Denver, Milwaukee, and Boston. Um, but I don't think anyone really knew that Denver was going to be this good. Like, this is, dare I say, the best team since the 20, you know, 18 Warriors. And that's not to say they're close to the 2018 Warriors because no one really is besides like the Bulls teams and like some of the older teams that you know the history about. Um, but basically, this team, as of recent, is one of the best we've seen. Um, they easily walked through the playoffs, beat the Timberwolves, and I'm pretty sure five. The Suns took them six, and even that didn't feel right. Like, they barely got to six. They got absolutely obliterated in that last game. Honestly, it would have made sense if that was five-game series. They completely destroyed the Lakers team that everyone was getting really excited over. And then the Heat team barely escaped with one. Five games honestly feels like the right outcome there. Um, Denver really put it together. And I think they're probably the best team as of late. Like I said, um, kind of past the super team area. Uh, past super team era um, so honestly credit to Denver for putting together a historic season and honestly later on I kind of want to get into some of the like picturing this season's performances with last season's performances as well not in terms of just Denver but in terms of all the other teams oh yeah I think an interesting conversation too is Denver I think the the advantages that favored them were First off, the the defense was the biggest thing. They ramped up their defensive intensity. I think part of that coincided with, in in the regular season, I'm not gonna say they were coasting, but they were playing like a lot of guys who were never in their rotation. Even like a guy like Christian Brown, um, he played like spot minutes kind of throughout the season. He was not even in the playoff rotation at one point, and all of a sudden he's out there against the Heat, and he's like you know, one of the most valuable role players on either side. I think those two combined help, but I agree that I think in terms of their top eight, that's what it it went down to. Like they were playing an eight man rotation and that eight man rotation was better than anything else. The other 29 teams could offer this year. I, I think that stood out a lot. I think what we should get into is to focus this on the Miami angle a bit is how I think making the finals does help this franchise a lot. Cause it does feel good, right? Like, if if Miami loses the Boston series, everyone's going to remember that they blew the 3-0 lead and you go down and maybe something catastrophic happens this offseason. I also made a point with, on, with Mike on my previous pod, and this kind of touches more on the offseason stuff. I don't think if you're a Miami fan or if you're the organization, you should completely run it back. Does that make sense? Like this was a team that was barely in the postseason. They had to win the second playing game just to make it. And then it took a series of fortunate events to get past Boston, Milwaukee, and New York. So do you kind of agree with that sentiment? I agree that you can't run it back um, and expect this kind of result, mostly because Giannis is going to be back. Um, I think the Knicks certainly are going to improve. Um, The Celtics, I would, if I was a Celtics fan, I would be so angry about the results from this season. Uh, as a Heat fan, you know, we cannot lose to the Celtics. Like, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, I'd rather lose to any other team than the Celtics. But if I'm speaking, like, from their point of view, to lose in the way they did. And, like, the funniest part was, like, to give the fan base that much hope to come back all the way back 
from three down just to lose anyway. It's just inexplicable to me because the Celtics have such a talented roster. They have so many great players across the board. Tatum is right. He puts together some of the most incredible performances you'll ever see, like some of the stuff he did against Philadelphia. And it's just like to see them put themselves in such a hole that they just can't come back from would have been pretty frustrating experience. But honestly, I think that if Jalen Brown comes back, they they have to be better than they were this year. You know, their coach is going to have an extra year's experience. Um, it's not like they're losing too much, I'd say. And then the Bucks, by the mere fact of having Giannis, are going to be like insanely better than they were in the first uh, round of the playoffs this year. So I think the East is going to get better. And I wanted to ask you this because I was trying to reconcile how the heck this Heat team made it this far in the playoffs. Like, I think the East got worse this year. Like, if you looked together and you, and you look at all the teams from last year, you see that Celtics team that made the finals. You see that Bucks team that was a Middleton injury away from beating the Celtics team and then probably going on to the finals. And you see a Miami team as well who puts together a 50-win season and didn't look completely discombobulated like they did this year. So I want to ask you this. Do you think last year's Heat team was better than this year's Heat team? Oh my god! I think I think well, it's a, because having Tyler Hero and I think also having Kyle Lowry one like you know what I mean like one one year less of like NBA mileage I think helps a lot. Also, I was a uh, PJ Tucker. Uh, I, well, that was the twenty. Yeah, wasn't that the the PJ Tucker? Yeah, we had PJ Tucker. Like having him also, I think just gave Miami an identity defensively because the flaw this year it showed up against Denver was. Outside of Bam, who are the bigs? You, you, we had to get Cody Zeller in the middle of the year just to have like five minutes to ten minutes of backup big man rotation. Like you know what I mean? Like there, were, that was one problem. Uh, you also had guys like Cody Martin, who's like more of a three. He's honestly more of a two, a two guard size guy, and he's playing the four. You have Jimmy, who's a bigger two three playing the four. So we. It kind of reminded me a lot of the Jay Crowder thing, losing him. I think that ended up being the right decision because. Jay Grider, you could see he kind of flamed out toward the end here, and he's kind of, kind of bouncing around. But losing a guy and then not replacing it, 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 your team gets worse. I think Miami getting Tucker last year, Butler also was healthier last year too, especially in the postseason. Like you can't overlook. It, it, it's sad too because he kind of tailed out toward the end. Whether that's because of confidence, whether it was the ankle injury whether Denver's defense and Boston's defense just adapted, which I think they equally both did, the Butler's performance was way more surreal in the postseason last year. Now, the flip side is that Bam took a leap this year in the postseason that, especially against Boston, we didn't really see, right? Like, remember how bad Bam was in the postseason that people thought last year we should just trade him? I, we, I think we didn't even have that – we didn't have, like, the – panic button conversation but we did have like wait should we just trade bam for joel Embiid? that like that was definitely brought up by us in the offseason i just want to say that i always on this pod spoke to bam so i'm not even going to acknowledge <laughs> that i said he was going to get traded i may have done that quietly by myself <laughs> while i was watching a few games but when i came on in public and had to say things about this team i was always on bam's side so i just want to put that out there there, there was a sen- there was a sentiment though because remember how it was last season jimmy butler and then nobody else like victor oladipo who just came back from injury was playing like 30 minutes a game in the postseason because we just needed another guy who could just dribble a ball and like at least not kill miami defensively that was that was the other thing like uh 
Ba- I think Bam Bam's leap this postseason gives me way more promise. He could be the second best player on a title team. Now, can Jimmy equally be the one? Like, can he be like is is Bam and Jimmy more of like a one B one B, and you still need that other guy, which I think gets into the Dame Lillard conversation and a couple other targets for this offseason, uh, based off recent reporting. Uh, if you had to put a gun to my head, I think the twenty twenty three. I think the twenty twenty two team was a better roster. The twenty twenty three team, I think, outplayed expectations way more than that Miami team. Especially from shooting, like Caleb Martin and Max Truce were legitimate guys this postseason as much as they had struggles toward the end. I think the 2023 Miami team outplayed expectations more than any team in maybe ever. I mean, you're going to have to go over like some of the teams that actually won the championship um, and then had a relatively poor seed going into that type of thing. But I was thinking about it. And last year, the team, like you mentioned, had a problem where it felt like Jimmy was the only guy you could trust at times. I did. That is something I said right after the Celtics loss on this pod is I would watch the game and be like, I don't understand. I don't feel comfortable with anyone, but Jimmy taking a shot because he feels like the only guy who could get it. And like the weirdest thing last night was that it was almost the exact same way. Cause he was the guy who rattled off 13 straight points when he was playing absolutely miserably the entire game. He was two for 12 at one point, by the way, before that run. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. And that, that, I don't think it should totally absolve him of the poor play because, like, this was a string of performances that weren't very impressive. Um, You could chalk it up to the ankle injury. It's the weirdest thing to me because against that Buck series, that's the best series he's ever played in his life. It was incredible. Uh, game four was the best Jimmy game I've ever seen. What, game what, four against the Bucks. I, I, you can make a case. I, I would do it proudly. I think game four, that 50-point-plus effort, might have been, um, I think, a top-five heat single game. I Butler might have one or two of the top-five like best single-player heat uh, playoff performances ever. Like Wade in the 06 finals was really good. I always remember that LeBron game 6 2012. Remember how Miami was down 3 2? We were going back to Boston. We, he just put up 40 points like it was nothing. But Butler's game 6 last year against Boston and game 4 this year against Milwaukee. And those are two good defenses too. This isn't like they were playing, you know, Atlanta. Like those are like legitimate championship favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, the reason I'm going to say the Heat were better last year than they were this year for two reasons. I think the East as a whole was worse this year. First reason, I think you could pretty easily say Boston was a better team last year. They were in a more stable situation. Um, they didn't have a first time. Um, well, they didn't, they, they, they didn't have a good, head coach last okay, year. Okay, but here's the thing is that they, they had Ime Udoka, but when he leaves because of the whole scandal thing, and he's now with Houston. They also lost guys like Will Hardy and other guys. Like Missoula was the second bench. Like he wasn't even like in the front lines, kind of like to use a Syracuse analogy, like Jerry McNamara or Adrian Autry, like right next to Bayheim. It was Missoula was a no name, and he got thrusted into the coaching role, and that clearly affected Boston this year. Yeah, and as well, Marcus Smart was better. Um, just the Celtics as a whole were a better team last year. Jalen Brown was um, better too, by the way. Way and last yet year. both series went seven games, the 2022 conference finals, 2023 conference finals, but the Heat won this year against a worse Celtics team. So honestly, I think the Celtics um, from last year 
We're a better team, the best team out of the East we've seen in the last two years. Um, and then the other reason I'd say the Heat team of 2022 was better is because you mentioned Jimmy put together more consistent performances. If Jimmy had put together an entire postseason like he did in round one against the Bucks, I would be saying this year was better. But the issue was ever since the Josh Hart slide tackle, the Jimmy hasn't really been the same ever since tweaking his ankle. So the improvement in Bam's game is negated by the fact that Jimmy ultimately wasn't really as good as he was last year. Because Jimmy, in game six and seven, those were closeout games. Like, they could have gone home last year in game six and seven. Down three, weren't they down three, one, or they They were were down down three, three, two. two. Yeah, Yeah, they were down three, two. Jimmy puts together a historic game six. I remember I was making all the LeBron memes, all the like comparisons because it was hilarious. It was a four, it was a forty-five se- point or forty-seven. I think it was forty-seven points. I think that's what he had. It was yeah. a forty-seven point. I think almost triple double. Yeah, totally. I was making all the funny jokes that he it was like LeBron. Not to say he is as good as LeBron because only a lunatic would make that argument. Um, game seven, he lost, and we remember that heartbreaking three more than anything. But he put together a really good performance. So. Even though Bam was better this year, and I'm really happy with Bam's progress and just his pickup and aggression, which is something we mentioned last year that he needed, I feel like the Jimmy of last year made the 2022 Miami Heat a better team than the 2023 Miami Heat, which is why it got weirder and weirder every time we would progress through the rounds. And I'd be like, how is this team here right now? So that's kind of how it felt this year. Yeah, the only only case you would have for the... 23 team being better is that at their best which you alluded to at that game three in boston or versus boston kayla martin kind of emerged out of nowhere as basically an almost he was almost an eastern conference finals mvp like kayla martin it's the larry bird mvp trophy for the conference finals he almost won it max juice was way better remember how he was basically couldn't play last year he was actually good gabe vincent took a massive leap this year compared to last year. So the reserves, which were the star of the show this year, weren't the same guys last year. But at the end of the day, when it comes to how high is the ceiling of your team, it goes down to your best two players. And Butler was just better last year than this year. Even as ridiculous as the Milwaukee series was, even against Boston, he had some good performances, like getting game one, two, and and seven he was like kind of like 80%, 85% of what he was last year, but he never reached that 2022 level. Yeah, I would say that's totally the case. Just genuinely, like you mentioned, the role players um, ultimately all improved this year, which is a big reason for us making it this far. Um, But I just want to mention one thing. Um, It's just the weirdest thing when you watch the Heat. And, like, if if you blink, you'll miss it. But it'll be, like, the middle of the third quarter, and all of a sudden you'll see a lineup in, like, the Eastern Conference Finals of, I'm going to shout out an example, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Highsmith, Cody Zeller, and Caleb Martin. And you're like, <laughs> this team is currently in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And it's just the most shocking thing in the world to watch this Heat team do this. Because I said last year, it was like the weirdest thing. Like, I'd see the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'd be like, Max Struess in the starting lineup. Dang, that doesn't feel like the a, a kind of guy you'd see on like the the finals roster like the final starting lineup and then that just was outdone this year when i would look up and see the kind of roster and the kind of lineup i just mentioned on the floor like god knows how this heat team does it 
because they consistently put together performances that are out of this world, and this year being the most out of this world I've ever seen. Well, there, I also really like your point about the weaker Eastern Conference this year, because if you look at it, here are the factors that kind of helped Miami out. I'm not saying that this was all the reason Miami made the, the finals. Brooklyn falling completely apart, right? Because now all of a sudden the top group of – like if you put my remember how we had this last year, you put Miami in the group with Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly. Losing one of those guys means Miami was guaranteed a top four team. Well, this team finished seventh, by the way, this regular season. So that's one factor. Boston with the whole Ime Udoka to Joe Mazua thing, that affected them clearly. Milwaukee, this is a bit tougher, but I've always thought that there was more symptoms and bigger problems with that team. I thought that was more of an overrated regular season team because they were super thin. Like they were starting a uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Grayson Allen and playing him thirty minutes in a game. Remember, he took the the horrible Euro step with no time left, like in that game five against Miami. So it's like he can't be like starting for you if you're gonna be a finals team. Philly, another year of playoff collapse. It also worked out for Miami that they lost that game versus Atlanta, right? Like, do you think Miami can beat this Boston team in the first round if Boston was the two and Miami was the seven? I don't think so them getting momentum against Milwaukee, then you look at the second round, it's these it's the New York and Cleveland matchup where it's two up and coming teams, but neither of them have the upside or the experience Miami does. So that's an easier matchup than Philly Boston playing each other. Those are two title favorites that had to match up in the second round. Like that arguably was the like the second best series outside of Miami Boston. So a lot went Miami's way. On the flip side, this is easily one of the more magical runs in NBA history. This was a team that entered the Milwaukee series at plus 750 to win that series. Vegas, it, was the, uh, it was a top five, basically, underdog series win ever. And you look at the all-timers, and it doesn't make sense. Like This is ridiculous. Boston was plus 550 to win the series against Miami. And they were down 3-0. And as much as people say, like, oh, it would have been heartbreaking for Miami to lose Game 7 and drop that series after being up 3-0, there's a reason why teams are 0 and 151 now when you're up 3-0. It's just super hard in the NBA, especially with three-point shooting variants and today's league, to win four games in a row against the same opponent. A lot went for Miami that benefited that, and especially with the, the shooting luck. Like, this team, again, was a... I don't think we mentioned this yet. They were they had a negative point differential, which the last team to make the finals with the negative point differential was the the Bullets in like 1978 or 79, and they were the worst offense in the entire league. And they just came about and kind of dominated. And they won the hustle stats too. They kind of had it all going in the postseason. Yeah, I mean this team. Also, I don't know if you mentioned the last in regular season offense. Yep, they, they were 27th <laughs> in three point percentage, and it just didn't make sense because you saw in that Celtics series, we were hitting all of our threes. Caleb Martin was going crazy. Oh, Boston and fans are pissed because I think we shot 36% in the postseason from three. I think we sh- we shot 44% against Boston. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it felt like we were making a lot of contested looks. Um, Boston, I, I don't know, man. Like people, fans will love to make the arguments and be like, oh, if we got to play Denver – then we would have put up a way better fight than you guys did. And I'm like, okay, guys, um, winning a championship is not about winning four games. You got to win 16 games. So no one really cares what kind of fight you would have put up against the Nuggets if you can't beat the Heat. 
you want to be the best team in the league, you got to be able to beat anyone in the league. So generally that kind of argument, and if the Celtics fans are a little bit upset that we shot so well from three that series, um, I would say shouldn't have got down 3-0. Well, Maybe real quick, that's also a really, games one or two. That's a really good point. I actually listened to another pod, and they brought up a similar thing of like, I think what made Denver so good this year is that they can match up big, small, fast, slow. They 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 had the they had the team to adjust to the most opponents, whereas a lot of these Eastern Conference teams, especially, just couldn't do that. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably just venting my frustration against the Celtics because I just I'm not the biggest Celtics fan. Um, so I guess that that's what I would say about them. Just yeah, generally, just to sum it all up with the the whole East thing, I would say. As you mentioned, the East got weaker. But I want to say the weird part about that is I went through last year's heat pods. And both of us said the East is getting better next year. Like, (laughs) they're going to be better. Um, The Heat made no moves. Um, It's very concerning. It's shades of 2021 where the phrase is used. And it was just like a given that the East was going to be better conference than they were last year. And I just don't think that happened. And next year... People are saying it's going to get worse. But honestly, like, I don't even know if to believe that at this point because they all said it'd get better last year. So, I actually have, we'll a t- I have, I have I have two takes on this. So I think first, I think our point did stand that Miami embracing continuity didn't help them do well this season. Because, again, we have to remember that they were a seventh seed, barely above 500. Like, the seeds were planted for an abysmal collapse. What saved them was – an otherworldly performance in against the Bucks and the Giannis injury, them having a lucky matchup facing the four five rather than having to face Boston or Philly in round two, and the scenario of having to face both Boston and Philly back to back in the conference semis and the conference finals. Like if we had played Philly in the conference semis, I don't think we can go up three zero against Boston. Right, that Knicks series was way easier. Even a Cleveland series would have been way easier than playing Philly or Boston in the second round. So I think that that kind of benefit. But the the other point I would bring up is that uh, I actually think the East is wide open next year because I still think Boston might be the clear favorite. I think you still have the Boston-Milwaukee duo. Outside of that, who knows what happens with Philly this offseason. Then you look at the next trio of teams like Cleveland, Brooklyn. None of those teams I don't think are going to take that big of a jump. They're going to be playoff teams maybe, but they won't be conference finals teams. So Miami, I think, is still in a good spot if they make an offseason splash and address their playoff uh, downfalls. I think they could be the third or fourth best team, uh, playoff team. Now, will they do that in the regular season? I don't think so. But I, I think the I think the East is wide open next year. I really do. I mean, yeah, it might be wide open. Um, generally, last year it looked pretty close. I thought the Bucks and the Celtics were kind of in their own league. That that um, was the, the that was the conference finals by the way last year was Bucks Celtics. Nah, no, no, no. Don't don't be one of those. In people. my in like, my opinion, I think that I okay, I'll I'll frame it like this. It was the best series, I think. Like those were the two no, teams that whoever won would have made the finals. I I just generally hate when people make that argument. That's the same argument that people made when the Chiefs played the Bills in that second round and it was like a historically great game and they're like this is the actual Super Bowl and the Chiefs turned around and lost to the Bengals the very next round yeah but that aged, so, that aged poorly though because the Bills lost then the following year and just flamed out <laughs> so yeah, but to say to say it was the conference finals is just it's not true because the Heat took them an equal amount of games and the Bucks got absolutely blown out in that game seven the Heat actually were like 
on the Celtics' heels like a shot away. That is so true. I'll give you that. I just generally get real salty when anyone, whenever anyone says like a team, a series that precedes the series they're referencing is actually like the championship or whatever. I get it from the mindset of uh, I get it from the mindset of like not don't change history that's already happened. Like you can't do the what aboutism with some of this stuff. That's just what the NBA is about nowadays, especially. Yeah. Well, uh, before we do some offseason stuff and kind of go back to some of these old takes that I know you you conjured up is how, how do, does this play out from what what does it do to Jimmy Butler's legacy? Like when you're looking at the all time like what his resume looks like, what his reputation looks like, all that sort of stuff. How does this playoff run help or hurt him? I think it just honestly evens out. It's pretty much the same as it was. Um, people were saying people make the whole jokes where he's like Michael Jordan's son and all stuff. And honestly, his his sort of status as an NBA player peaked after that Buck series um, in a way that maybe it'll reach again. Like, who knows? You never know with this kind of thing. But ultimately, the performance is down the line. And yeah, he got his ankle hurt. But people ultimately don't pay attention to that kind of stuff when you're going two for 12 at one point in the closeout game of the NBA finals. Um that's just not a great look for you. So I would say like the performances of the later round evened out what happened earlier on where it was genuinely one of the best performances we've seen a player have in a heat uniform in terms of what happened in that first round series. Um, so I'll just say it evens out because it was so good early on and it was so mediocre later. I'd say this helps for a couple of reasons. Number one is that w- people who look at the all-time rankings love the numbers. And they're going to see that when the numbers average out, he's still going to have like above his regular season numbers for this postseason, right? He also secured an Eastern Conference Finals trophy, which he didn't do last year. He avenged both the 2021 loss to Milwaukee and the 2022 loss to Boston. So to say like he could never overcome those teams is now kind of, that argument's a little bit more kind of like it's less fruitful, shall we call it. I think, like, you can't say, like, he can never get over the hump against the best of the best. Like, Miami has made three conference finals in four years and two finals in four years with Butler in Miami, in a Miami uniform. Like, that's how many players... The reason why I bring it up is not many players could, have, could say that they did that, that they were the best player on multiple teams that made the finals, undoubtedly, because Bam is definitely not the level Jimmy was regular season or playoffs. So I think it kind of helps him, honestly. I think people are going to now remember, of course, like in the immediate, the flame out against Denver and, oh, he he never really was him. But in the broader resume, if you just look at the total package, it kind of was a good a good thing for Butler's resume. Yeah, I, I guess maybe in like 15 years from now when people, when it's the series are just so distant for everyone that like no one really remembers. Like how about Miami, like- Miami making the finals this year? Butler wasn't even an all-star this year. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be crazy to think about. I guess people will talk about it for the next like two years, especially if he don't have similar postseason success. They might be a little bit down on Jimmy, but ten years from now, like you might be right. Where in the sense, like who's gonna remember that his average went to like twenty points per game against the the Nuggets or something like that? They're probably just gonna look at the final number, like you said. But in the short term, I feel like he will get a lot of criticism for the performances later on. But honestly, we'll see going forward. So 
do we want to do before we look at the off season real quick some of the old takes that we had before yeah, yeah, the start of the season? I, we should round let's these just, out. Let's just jump in because um, it it just flows naturally into what we were just talking about. Um, so before that, we're just going to do a quick overview, um, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, I'm just going to ask you to rate the stuff on a scale of one to ten. One being a horrible take. It's like saying you know Ben Simmons is going to be the next LeBron James. And 10 is like the greatest take you can ever give, like saying in 1983 that Michael Jordan is going to be the greatest player of all time. Um, but before that, we're going to get into the, what we said in October of 2022, before the season started. My prediction, the Heat will win 49, win, 49 games, be a three seed, and be a second round exit. Which is <laughs> wrong, wrong in the many ways, just all over the place. Well, you, like, do, well, you, you almost got the win total right. We were close. <laughs> we were. I mean, like simultaneously saying they were too good and also too bad is what happened there. Um, your prediction, the Heat will win 47 to 48 games. Be a five to six seed, okay. And be a second round exit, okay. I like that. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, you know. Still like closer than me on the regular season stuff. Same playoff outcome, so not too bad. That that was the prediction. Um, I would say, you know, it would it evens out because the Heat were honestly they were their regular season performance didn't reflect uh, how good they were. We 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 um, got their regular season expectations right in terms of we thought they were a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team. We did not expect them to somehow make the NBA Finals. That was not what yeah. the, we thought the ceiling was. We, we could say we were kind of half right and then totally wrong in the postseason. Yeah. And, like, trust me, I'm, like, the biggest homer around. Like, I totally – I said the Heat were making the Eastern Conference Finals all last year. When they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, I said they were making the Finals. And, like, last year, going into this season, I just didn't have the same expectations. But now we're going to get into the actual takes, some quotes – I want you to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. This one's coming from me in October of 2022. I like this. I like this. <laughs> you asked me, can Jimmy Butler be a franchise title-winning player? And I said, quote, the answer is very obviously yes at this point. Whew. See, I'm going to rate that 1 to 10. Yeah, 10 being a great take. Aged very well. I, I'd say it's a solid, like, 8. 7 or 8. Because I think it's true. I think making the finals is not nothing, especially in today's NBA. Think about it. We have had, if you look at it, so w- let's recap. So Denver won this year. Uh, who won, uh, Golden State won last year. Milwaukee won the year before. LA, Go- uh, Toronto, Golden State. So we've had five of the last six years, we've had five different teams win the title. Miami in that same time has made three finals and four conference finals. Butler, when he's your best player in the postseason, and you surround him, I think I think enough talent. Especially, I think just a second guy who's a defensive player, another scorer is probably the big need. I think he can be that guy at least to make the finals. If you count making the finals as a franchise player, I think that's a really good take. You see, the take wasn't in response to making the finals. It was in response to Kenny be a franchise title winning player. If you think title, if you think title he winning, hasn't done. If you think title winning, I think it's got to be like a, like a four, because I, I four or five. I think it, it can happen, but it would need to be like this season, where all of the the the, the stars lined up, and even then it, you got to go through the West. You have the Denver's and the Lakers and the Warriors and whoever else in the world. So I'd say it's a solid four or five. Then, 
Yeah. If you, I mean, if you drop that to making just the finals, I think it's a, it's a very strong take. But I don't want to lower the bar for you for your take either. Yeah, you know, I, I did this in response. This was like after we watched him take the Celtics to nearly making that game-winning shot in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And honestly, like, if you if I told you to rate how well this take aged in the first, like, right after the first round, you'd be like, this is a golden take. This is incredible. Yeah, right. But obviously the, the injury kind of screws that all up, and the performances we saw later on messes that all up. And ultimately, like, I said last year I didn't think you need a, needed a top-five player, like, last year particularly, just that one time to win the NBA finals. And that still turned out wrong because Steph was the guy who won the finals. And since 2014, there's never been a team that doesn't have a top five player that wins the finals. Even so, Kawhi, who was injured in that 19 season was still in the top five conversation. He was like four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's always, it just always takes that star power. And the thing is, is Jimmy, like you can take credit away from Jimmy and say, like, look at him. He didn't do it. But the fact is, if he played like he did in the Bucks series against the Nuggets, and it's not like the Bucks are a bad team, if he played like he did against the Bucks, if he played like he did maybe against the Knicks, to be honest with you, or against like the Celtics last year, or just put together a series that resembled one of his better ones and not one of his more mediocre ones, the Heat probably, I don't want to say win, but they might take the Nuggets to six or seven. So ultimately, like, I think my my flaw on that take was saying the answer is very obviously yes. I was just fully convinced on that one. Yeah, or or but title I, winning. If you had just said finals clincher, I think that take looks astronomically better based on what we just discussed. Yeah. Well, you you live and you learn with this kind of stuff. Do I get roasted on right. one of these? <laughs> is this a trap? Um, I don't think you like I I I said um, off pod that you don't really give too many really really dumb takes. I mean, you're you're you know as a perspective media member you have to be like the even even guy i get to come on here and be the miami heat homer (laughs) um so i'm more subject to giving some outrageous opinions um but we'll move on to the next one um just you in reference to bam Adebayo. you said i feel like miami season will correlate with how much bam Adebayo improves his game or doesn't improve his game Oh my God! <laughs> can I go with? I mean, can I go with a solid six? I think. It, what, I think. What would you rate that? I'll let it go to you. I you think, gotta let it go to you. I think it's a solid seven. I I I mentioned earlier that the the negative performances we saw from Jimmy later on kind of negated Bam's improvement, but we saw a great improvement from Ben. And like like last last night's game was a microcosm of that. Bam is putting together a great performance in the first quarter, like 18 point or 18 points or something, like 14. I forget what the actual number was. But the Heat were winning and he was carrying the team and everything looked good. And then he kind of disappeared. He wasn't really as effective. But granted, when I say Bam disappears, he never really does on the defensive end. And when he leaves the court, it's pretty obvious the Heat are a worse team. I'm talking specifically on the offensive end, where it seems at times like he can stop looking for a shot. But what I was happy with about Bam this year is that I said he should get a lot more aggressive with everything. And it really seemed like he did. It's just that he finds like the weirdest angles to take shots sometimes. Like he's pulling up as if it's like a mid range, but he's like deep in the paint. And you're just wondering, like, 
why don't you just like put your head down and get to the rim and maybe like do a strong layup? Yeah, but, I, I think we've know, been looking fan, at this wrong. By the way, I will say one take that aged horribly, and I'll bring it up now. It's we're going out, we're going off uh, off your script here. We had always said for a while that I think with the way Bam improves his his offense would be to do better job with the mid ranges and all that, right? Like he needs to have some sort of like an outside shot to at least like not have the Boston situation happen in twenty two where. They're just packing the pain and then daring him. I think he needs to improve the inside finishing. Like, he needs to... Jokic is a solid defender. This isn't peak Dwight Howard or Akeem Olajuwon here. Like, he needs to be attacking the rim and putting pressure on Jokic at the rim. And that did not... That that happened in moments. It did not happen to all the way offensively this this finals. Can we, do we agree on that? Yeah, I agree. But honestly, the other thing is... Um, I mentioned at last year's pod that... Robert Williams and just like the Celtics in general are a really tough matchup for Bam. And I think we saw that again this year because it looked like Bam was a better player against the Nuggets than the Celtics. It's just the Nuggets had an overall better team that was able to take away a lot of the stuff the Heat's role players were doing. So basically, Bam, like having to go up against the Celtics so often and the Bucks, like those are some of the best defensive big men in the league that you'll see those two teams have. So when we get to the playoffs, Bam might look like a worse player than he actually is if he was facing, like, the Nuggets or something like that. Um, so I think, like, facing easier big man matchup might make Bam look a little better, which is, I think, what we saw against the Nuggets because he looked really good last night for a second there. Um, so honestly, yeah, I, th- I think that take is a solid seven from you. I'd say it was pretty solid, but we can move on to the next one. And I love this take because I told – I spoiler alert, I told this to you before the pod a while ago a few nights back. This is from me. I said, I feel like he, in reference to Duncan Robinson, could rebuild his value, honestly. Nine. Especially if a Nine. few of our small guards get injured and he could get some playing. Nine. <laughs> I think that's a 10. Because like I said, especially if a few of our small guards get injured, which is exactly what happened. Well, and also, um, he went from basically DMPs to multiple games where he, like remember game two against Denver, Game one, two, and three against uh, Boston, where he literally like carried the offense at times. And we always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think going back to the Bam Duncan minutes together and having that chemistry, Duncan also. I think the one thing that we both noticed when we were watching him, how much better he was not relying on the three point shot. Because what happened is that he was such a devastating shooter. But he struggled around the basket to, like, make the next play, right? Like, he was never good at uh, passing it to the open man. He was never good at finishing at the rim. He improved both those this postseason by far. So, uh, f- frick it. We're going to give you a 10. That was, that's a good take. I mean, Duncan Robinson, the king of the backdoor cut. I mean, talk about someone who Jokic would love to play with. Yeah, can maybe, maybe we could trade, can we trade him to Duncan Denver Robinson? and get something. Can we trade him? Yeah, I mean, Duncan Robinson for Jamal Murray straight up. Like, let's just do it. Um, <laughs> all right, that's a, that, that's a good take from you, man. Next one. All right, all right, all right. Um, all right, we are going to go with another one from me. Like I said, I, I really struggled to find, like, the controversial take from you. It was kind of sad. I was really looking for a gem. Um, I go, in reference to Tyler Hero's contract, I said, I'm going to go with overvalued. The issue is, while Tyler has a massive offensive package, he's a defensive liability, and if he doesn't stay healthy, we're kind of screwed. 15 out of 10. Because you forgot one thing in that equation. The NBA's new collective bargaining agreement, which now has stricter penalties for teams that go over the cap, go to the second apron, and this Miami team 
which I don't think we'll have time to go into the offseason uh, preview, uh, at least like for this episode, is kind of like hard-capped, right? Because you have Lowry still on the big deal. Bam and Jimmy are on huge deals. Tyler Hero now is the fourth guy. And you have the Duncan contract. And you still have to re-sign Gabe Vincent and Max Struess this offseason. So that take aged beautifully because it, it, it showed us the limitations of Hero on that extension, which is a ginormous extension, and why isn't constantly the, the headline for any Miami Heat trade rumor. It also reflected in, or neglected that the NBA's new CBA, which we, honestly, I didn't really pay much attention at the time, has significant implications for every NBA team moving forward, especially Miami, given their, their current cap situation. I mean, yeah. Um, I like this take because it's what happened, but I will give it to Tyler. That was a very freak injury. It was like the weirdest thing watching him dive to the floor. And then all of a sudden, like, he broke his hand. You're like, how the heck did that happen? And there's, and it's a weird injury. So it's like, it's not necessarily a usage injury, a fatigue type thing. Um, it was just kind of a freak accident, which was pretty unfortunate. Yeah. But I still said the contract was overvalued. And when the Heat are looking to trade people, once again, like last year, he's going to be the primary person mentioned in every single trade because he's, he's a good asset. He was sixth man of the year, and teams are going to want him. He's a young player, and ultimately, the Heat are in a win-now situation. I said two years ago, they had a two-year window. That, that, that end of that window was this year, according to that prediction. So, honestly, like, that's going to be a next-year thing as to how well that aged, because like, maybe the window will be longer, or maybe it'll be exactly what I said. Yeah, no, um, I, I also, but, I, last thing, again, I like that take, because you mentioned overvalued contract, which is true. And how and and it, without that's even if neglecting the new uh, financial market of the NBA. So I, I I love that take. Yeah. So I guess like the one last thing that we should mention here, um, just jumping off the whole like takes game here. Um, we gotta do that again. That was pretty fun. But <laughs> um, you mentioned we have to resign Max Drews and Gabe Vincent. Like like really though? Like do we do we really have to do that? It's a good question, right? <laughs> It's hard. I think Gabe Vincent, I think, is probably more of a priority because I think you need to have another ball handler who could shoulder the load in the regular season and still be competent. Like, he was also really good this postseason. Max Struess is very hot and cold. I think you can find a a average shooting guard who could soak up minutes a la Victor Oladipo, and you don't need to pay Max Struess 20 million. You don't want to get stuck in the Duncan Robinson trap, funny enough. And pay him five years, ninety million. And if the three point shot falls off, then what is he really doing for you? So I'd say maybe. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Like Gabe Vincent, yes. Max Struess, maybe not, depending on the value. I agree. I'd pay uh, Gabe before I paid Max, um, especially considering Duncan's like he's got some new tricks in his bag now. You know, he's not just a three point shooter. He's a cutter. He can do some finishing at the rim, which is like who saw that coming? Yeah, I, I like um, to say Max Struess's defense. I don't think, as much as it is way better than Duncan, I don't think makes up for the gravity Robinson has offensively. Max Struess is a yeah. very hot, cold player. Yeah, people people go after Duncan. Um, it's like teams get so scared when you can see him like about to get open at the three-point line. They'll like jump on his pump fakes. He's obviously a threat to, to the, whatever the defensive scheme of the other team is. And as for people who are going to worry about us losing role players i just want to i just want to put this thought experiment out to you i'm going to ask you a question 
I went, I went through the Heat's role player from the past few years, and I found 13 that were on our team and then went to a new team. I'm going to say they're Deadman, Myers Leonard, Markeith Morris, PJ Tucker, Precious Achua, Trevor Reza, Avery Bradley, Dragic, Jay Crowder, Iguodala, Kelly Olinick, my man, Kendrick Nunn, and Derek Jones Jr. How many of those 13 players do you think went on to their new team and then averaged more points per game than they did with the Heat in the prior season? Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say, like, how many of them, like, did better or, like, were still good when they left? It's, it's might... just the same question in reverse. Well, because I would say Jay Crowder, had, I think he was still good in that Phoenix year, but I don't think he had more points. So I don't think it's I – think, I think just one. The answer is three. Three, okay. Myers so... Leonard from 3.3 to 4.8 points per game with the Bucks, which is Funny. nothing. Uh, Precious Achua, who is the only one who made, like, decent improvement, you know, because he's a young player. We let him go after his rookie year to get Kyle Lowry. Went from five points per game to nine with the Raptors. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I forgot. Kelly Olynyk himself. Ten to 19 points per game. With the Pistons. For the – no, it was the Houston Rockets is what I said. Oh, my God. I forgot about that one random year. Jesus. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk, the man carrying the load for the Houston Rockets. Oh, my God. So – like, I didn't figure out what all these players did, like, the year before they went to the Heat. Like, I didn't write that all down. But, like, I was going through it, and, like, maybe I was looking at it biased, but it also looked like their averages were lower. So, like, the Heat's role players perform best when they're on the Heat. Like, this franchise brings the best out of people. So when a lot of these guys leave, they don't leave to situations where they're, like, equally valued, they don't generally perform as well, unless your name is Kelly Olenek. And granted, that was on like a team that was just not ready to win at all. So how much does that really mean? But I wouldn't be too worried because the Heat just find these guys a lot of the time. And like, yeah, we have a good combination of people, but who thought Caleb Martin would be who he is this year? Like maybe that'll be Highsmith next year. Gabe Vincent didn't get rotation minutes in the finals in 2020. Look at them now. So the Heat just find these guys. So that's what I'm hoping for if we happen to let go of Struz. Last question for you because we'll save the offseason for another day in terms of like a deep dive and potential team needs and who are the players and personnel we should be targeting. Since this is a obituary to this past season, what, what would you say would be the dominant takeaway from either the postseason run or just this past heat year in general? This franchise is the best franchise in the Eastern Conference in the 21st century. And is it really that close is the question. I don't think so. I don't know if it is. <laughs> me, me and you, we're 21 years old. They've made the finals seven times in our lifetime. That's crazy. One-third of the time. <laughs> One-third of our life. Then you look at a team like Sacramento or Charlotte, where they've just been like in the crapper like th- our whole lives, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I was really I, – I came upon that realization. And, like, yeah, there's teams in the West that are better, like the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Lakers have all probably had better 21st centuries. Um, although even that, some of that is up for debate. Um, but you know, at least in the East, this, this team is where it's at. The Heat are just the greatest franchise and just, it's an awesome time to be able to root for this team, especially in a year like this year where like, you didn't see it coming, you know, like I didn't see 2020 coming. 
but I did not see this coming even more. Yeah. Like, this is the most surprising result I've ever seen out of this Heat team. Where, where would you say was the moment you thought this was like for real, for real? Because you can always look at it and be like, wait, we actually beat Milwaukee? Wait, we're in the conference finals? Wait, we're up 3-0 against Boston? What was the point where you just knew like this was the team that like actually could like make a run? You mean like make it to the finals? Yeah, like what was the point where like this wasn't fluke anymore? When we were up 18 with like two minutes left in game seven in Boston. (laughs) You always play it safe. I like that. Well, Matthew, clearly this was a season to remember for Heat fans. There's obviously, I think, as much fun as it was, you now turn your attention to business as usual. And we'll be having a fascinating offseason discussion in terms of what comes next. And I'll save your take about what is the – the the window, the title window, and the the status of this team moving forward as a legitimate NBA championship contender. But it was good to have you on as always. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited for our premature Heat Finals victory in 2024 podcast.